I've called it our eternal occupation. It's the one thing you were born for, and it's the one thing you have been reborn for. It was our purpose in Genesis, and it is your purpose in your regenesis, your regeneration, if you will. It's so many things, but at the same time, so many things it is not. What is worship? Maybe you remember what we've already said. Namely, that God is not indifferent as to whether or not we worship. God is not indifferent as to who we worship. Nor is God indifferent to the manner in which we worship. Put another way. Worship is not an elective course in life. It's a requirement. You will do it now. Or one day every knee will bow and every tongue will surely confess that Jesus is Lord. God will receive His glory. It's not an elective course. God is not indifferent as to whether we worship. God is not indifferent as to who we worship. We don't just get to worship whoever we want to. (laughs) Although we try. Worship has been going on since the beginning. Misguided, misdirected worship, but worship nonetheless. Everyone worships, whether you realize it or not. You worship something, someone. But God is not indifferent as to who we worship. He must be the only object of our worship, not even just the primary. He is the only worthy one. He's not indifferent as to who we worship, and He's certainly not indifferent as to the manner of our worship. It matters to God how we do it. If, if worship is, as Scripture says, it's part of our offering that we bring to Him, it matters what you bring as an offering. Amen? You can't just bring any old thing to the altar and expect it to be acceptable. God is not indifferent as to the manner of our worship. So let me ask you, what do you really know about worship? I mean, what do you really know about worship other than... It's that time on Sunday mornings when a percentage of the community gather down at the local church building and most of the people aren't there, but some of the people are, and that's where worship happens, and that's what worship is. Is, is, that, is that what comes to mind? I want to give you a few moments, because it may not happen otherwise. I want to give you a few moments to ponder this morning the question at hand, namely, what is worship? Because if you get away from this hour, you might not stop to ask the question outside these four walls. Worship is more than a song, certainly. We just sang. Worship is more than a song. You know that. But do we live like we know that is a different question. To help remind you of that very truth, there will be no more songs this morning. What then is worship? And I'll take it a step further. And I'll ask you to consider for a few moments what is acceptable worship? What is John 4, the passage we've been looking at, what is John 4 acceptable worship look like? What does that mean? So, here we go. In a time that might be awkward for a portion of you, If you have a bulletin, there is space in your bulletin for you to take notes. Here's where you can use it. 
make a list of the things that come to mind when you think of worship. Right or wrong, what comes to your mind when you think about worship? Write it down. Jot it down here. Make a mental list, at least. What automatically comes to mind when you think about worship? Don't be afraid to be honest. You're not going to hand these in. You're not going to get a grade on it. I'm not going to ask you for what your list looks like. We won't embarrass you. Be honest with yourself. What comes to mind when you think about what does worship really mean? I mean, what do I, what do I think I'm doing when I'm worshiping? And make that list. Either, either on paper, that would be best, or at least in your heart and mind. My intent this morning, let me just go ahead and tip you my hand. My intent is to force the issue. If only for a moment in your mind and in your heart, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you about 10 minutes. And most of you haven't sat still in anything near silence for 10 minutes uh, in a long time, probably. And it doesn't count if you were in front of the TV. So this will be an awkward proposition for some of you. To sit for 10 minutes in worship service? I'm afraid you won't do it if we, if we, if we assign it as homework. <laughs> so why not do it now? If it moves us in the direction of acceptable, authentic worship, why don't you ask? Ask yourself, well, what have I been thinking this whole time that worship is? Specifically, what, what do I know to be acceptable worship? If you get stumped, let me give you, a, let me give you a, a help. Grab your Bible and turn to Isaiah 6 if you need it. If you don't need it, you don't need it. But if you're sitting there and you get into mo, uh, minute 3 and you're like, I don't know if I can make it the next 7 minutes. I don't know what else is there. there maybe there, nothing is coming to mind. Maybe your list is short. Then read Isaiah 6. And see if it gives you any clues. See if it gives you any direction. Isaiah 6 is, is kind of like the John 4 of the Old Testament. Any series on worship must include Isaiah 6 and John 4. Or it's not, it's not worth its salt. So here we go. Ten minutes. You sit with the Holy Spirit and I'm going to pray for us.
proud of you. You made it. After about the first three minutes, you were probably done. Started to get a little restless. I could, I could tell. You fought through the next three minutes trying to, uh, trying to refocus, and then uh, just, just did whatever it took for the last three minutes. Right? Is that about, about how it was? And if you're visiting, you thought, I've found myself in the oddest place that I could be this Sunday morning. That's okay. Last week, the rock that I gave you to put in your shoe, and I realize for those of you who are visiting, um, that is a weird statement, right? But it's the, uh, it goes along with our series on worship, and if you missed the introduction to our series, let me give you a brief understanding here of what it means to have a collection of short sermons on worship to stick in your shoe. The idea was that um, if there's ever, ever a topic that you, you don't need to walk away from and dismiss after this one hour, it's probably the, the topic of worship. Our eternal occupation should preoccupy us all our days of the week. Amen? And so I, I, I thought we might look at it like those pebbles that get stuck in your shoe, and then until you deal with it, you're going to be hurting. You're going to be limping. And so my intent is that I would give you something, some nugget, some pebble, some stone on the on the issue of worship to stick in your shoe and walk around with until the Holy Spirit has dealt with that thing for us not to get away with. The, the rock I gave you last week to stick in your shoe was also from John 4. It was the statement that Jesus made about the Father and what the Father is seeking. Do you remember what the Father is seeking? It's the only thing that Scripture says that God the Father seeks. It is worshipers. Worshipers. And we pointed out the fact that, that God the Father is not merely seeking worship. Isn't that a relief? Like he's some megalomaniac that just needs worship. God is in need of nothing. Do you know that point of theology? That God is completely self-sustained. He is in need of nothing from you and I. He's not in need of our worship. But he is seeking worshipers. It's, it's us that he's seeking. And we have been created to worship. And honestly, the best thing for us is to do what we've been created for. And so God, in his infinite wisdom, knows, knows what's going to be that thing that, that completes our, our joy. That thing that completes our joy is to become the worshipers that he seeks. That was the rock I gave you to put in your shoe last week. Unfortunately, our best intentions to worship often fall short, though, don't they? We're not, we're not the worshipers we're called to be. Very often. Why? Why? This morning I want to give you the first among many reasons, and we'll probably spend the last few weeks of this series talking about the reasons we are not acceptable worshipers. And so today's rock for you to stick in your shoe is this. Very often, perhaps most often, listen, our worship misses the mark because we're aimed at the wrong target. Very often, our worship misses the mark because we're aimed at the completely wrong target. So here's the statement. Here's the rock to put in your shoe if you want to narrow it down. Worship, listen, is not about you. 
many of you are saying, oh, amen, yeah, I, yeah, that's right. Worship's not about me. But does it play out like it's about us? Most of the time. It probably does. It probably does. Many of us come to church and therefore we come to God like he were some cosmic genie that if we just rub him the right way, he'll grant our three wishes. If we put the pieces together the right way, if we show up, if we do our hour one day a week, if we give him that time, if we do this, if we do that, if we live a certain way, more good than bad, if we just walk the right line, then God, the genie in heaven, the grandfather upstairs who's always just wanting to spoil his children, if, if we just pacify him, if we just smile the right way, that's, that's not the God. He's not a cosmic genie. Let me ask uh, Let me ask you, for those of you who are married or maybe uh, if you've been in any relationship, if, if someone expresses their love to you by always taking, always wanting, always seeking their benefit and never giving, never looking out for your benefit, is that, is that love? No, that's an easy answer, isn't it? Someone who says they love us, but they're, they're just always taking, receiving, and never giving. That's not love. As humans, as mere humans, we know that. My question is, do we, do we offer God any, anything more than that most of the time? God, here's what I need. God, here, here's, here's what I need. It's about me. It's about myself most of the time, isn't it? Imagine what he must think from the other end of the relationship when he's got nothing but takers. And not many who are willing to give. Not many who have something to offer. Worship is our offering. Isn't it? It's our offering of love to Him. Are you bringing selfish worship? Are you bringing selfish worship? Is your worship more about you? And you may be thinking at this point, Pastor, you're being kind of hard on us. Maybe, maybe I am. I mean, certainly this isn't just a, a unique problem to our congregation. Certainly, um, you know, we're not the only ones that need to be picked on here. I would have you know that you're not. I came up with a whole list of quotes from other pastors who have spoken to the same issue. Let me give you just a few. One man Put it this way to his congregation. Many seem to think that the purpose of the church service is to entertain, to exhilarate, and to energize. Sounds good. Some of us go to church not so much to worship God, to stand in awe of his grace to us in Christ, to stir up our affections for him, but rather to consume, to sit back, enjoy the musical experience, and apply the self-help advice we gleaned during the sermon. The pastor is expected to be clean-cut, non-offensive, and smooth. The musicians to be talented and contemporary. The congregation to be good-looking, middle-class, look and act just like us. A great majority of us appear to actually select our churches, not by the sound and dynamic preaching of the scriptures, but by these outward considerations alone. Some newspapers have even begun to go around and rate churches on these externals, as one would a local restaurant. And there you have it. 
a worship of consumerism. In other words, this new mentality we have embraced is none other than the worship of self. God should be central to worship, not you. God should be central to worship, not you. That is, He should be the central focus in our song, proclamation of the Word, and in the administering of even the sacraments. Self-focused, self-absorbed, psychological sessions whose main purpose is to generate good feelings about ourselves is idolatry. It's a breach of the first and the second commandments. This tragic lapse into consumerism is devouring the church and making mincemeat of our local assemblies. Instead of finding the service meaningful and glorifying to God, centering in the Trinity and especially the person and work of Christ, many spend their time asking themselves what they got out of it. Rather, we need to be asking ourselves, was God glorified in our time of corporate worship today? Yet another pastor, many years ago, said, too much of what we call worship begins with man and his need instead of beginning with God and his glory. This is the basis of all of our man-centered theology. Yet another, for many churches, designing worship has become most closely associated with that which will be best suitable for the attendees or best attract the hesitant churchgoer, rather than that which is most pleasing to God. Yet another. There's a difference between going to a service for the worship and going to a service to worship the Lord. This distinction appears to be minor, but it may imply the difference between the worship of God and the worship of just the music. Some 60 years ago, see if this doesn't sound relevant, one pastor said it this way, 60 plus years ago, we're drifting towards a religion which consciously or unconsciously keeps its eye on humanity rather than deity. How about the 1800s? When we believe that we should be satisfied rather than God glorified in our worship, then we put God below ourselves as though He had been made for us rather than we who have been made for Him. Scripture knows something of this as well. Timothy. Timothy put it this way, and I think it's relevant for the modern church, not just the first century church. But understand this, Timothy says, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Amen. For people will, listen, people will be lovers of self. And he explains what that means. They'll love money. They'll be proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, 
Do we often have the appearance of godliness when we come together? When we do our thing here? When you come to worship? Would it ever be true of us here at Cornerstone that we have an appearance of godliness, but there is no there's no substance? No substance in our songs, I'm afraid, sometimes. No substance in our preparation for what is to be the worship of the Most High God? Did we give any thought to what would be happening in this hour last evening? Or was last evening reserved for you? This hour is reserved for God. Closer still, was there any preparation in your heart, in your mind, for what we would do here together on your way? Or do we just merely bring the appearance of godliness, denying its power? And in a strong statement, Timothy says, avoid such people. That's not, that's not the kind of worshipers God has called us to be. Worshippers centered on self. I wonder what I'm going to get out of it today. How about we throw back a little bit? How about we go back to the days of old when we prepared our hearts and minds to meet with the Most High King? And until we can do that, can we just cut the rest? Why, why offer our songs? Why, why waste your voices? What did you bring this morning as an offering unto God? Or were you hoping primarily that he had something for you? I have a sneaking suspicion that when we meet our creator, <laughs> it'll have nothing to do with what he can do for us. I think like uh, saints of old, Moses, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Elijah, Elisha, we'll probably find ourselves on our face in awe, in reverence. We don't use that word much anymore. For He deserves all the glory. One of my favorite movies, spiritual, theological movie, Gladiator. Have you seen it? Best lines in all movies. It's when Maximus faces the king. In all of his boasting, in all of the king's glory, Maximus looks at him in the eye and he says, the time for glorifying oneself will come to an end. And that is Scripture's word to all of humanity. The time for glorifying yourself will come to an end. But you know what? The good news is you can end it today. You can turn the focus off of yourself and begin to become acceptable worshipers in that the worship you offer will not be primarily about you. It will be about His glory that is due to Him. We try and communicate the fact that uh, what we do here on Sunday mornings is worship in many, many ways. Some, some more obvious than others. If you, if you showed up early, 10.30 or so, then you found yourself in prayer 
we call it worship and prayer. Then we transition into a time of worship and praise. This time that we spend in the Word, we call it worship in the Word. We, we call it those things for a reason. Worship is more than a song. Do you know that? I'm pleased this morning as we close, as we dismiss, that we will we'll worship as we dismiss. How are we going to do that, Pastor? We're going to dedicate a little baby. Why don't you stand? Jason and Ashley, why don't you come on up? This is Peyton Kendall Rowden. Little Nugget. Hi. Yes. All right. Look at all those people. Look at all those people. Oh, I'm going to turn you this way so you see Mom and Dad, not me. You don't want to look at me. The reason we can count this as worship is because what these parents are doing is they're, they're saying that, that they entrust this child to the Lord. And as a congregation, we're going, to, we're going to amen with them. We're going to agree with them. That publicly, we're going we're gonna to say, God, Peyton is, is all yours. The parents and we as the extended family, the family of God, we're going to trust God. With not just the protection of this little one, but with the salvation of this little one. And so pray with me. Father, I trust that you're sliding to the edge of your throne. And you smile as most of us have when we see this little one. And we count Peyton, as mom and dad do, and as grandparents do, and as family does. We count her as a blessing. And Lord, I, I, I believe that the smiles that we enjoy and the smiles that these parents enjoy when, they, when they're sitting with this little one, I trust that you count those small moments as worship. And Lord, as a congregation, as an extended family, we agree with these parents when we say that we trust you with this little one. We ask that you would bring her to a knowledge of grace and salvation early. And as I pray for my own children, Lord, I pray for Peyton. Whether she ever be a success in this world's eyes, would you make her a success in your eyes? We love you, Lord. We want to be the worshipers. We want to be found as worshipers here in this place. Lord, challenge us to bring acceptable offerings into your throne. Lord, we want to be acceptable worshipers. Lord, Lord, help us when we make the worship about us. Help us, Father, when we are selfish in our worship. Lord, you deserve all the glory and we give it to you. And we'll trust you with all of our days. In Jesus' name, who is our cornerstone. Amen.